0: everyone is looking for purpose for a life that matters and we want to be a church that helps people find that this is the collective church podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in london ontario here's this past week's message from our pastor tyler from Well, good morning and welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors. I have the privilege of leading alongside of my wife, Lee. We're glad that you're with us, whether you're in the room or you're engaging online. I want to just highlight, if you weren't here for Lee and Britt as they uh, introed the service, that we have a barbecue immediately following the service, provided it's not raining, which every time we look at the forecast, it seems to get pushed and pushed and pushed. Uh, We're going to be outside and we're going to spend some time together. And if it is raining, we're going to be in the room where kids are currently gathering. And I want to just remind all of you, the food is free, the time is free. Come and spend some time with us, get to know us, get to know some of the team. Like here's the beautiful thing, if you've been around Collective for a while or maybe you're new to it, you might see me, but what you don't see is the army of people behind the scenes that make Collective who it is. All the people that serve and give of their time, talent, and treasure. And so uh, a barbecue like this gives a chance to connect more meaningfully with all of us. We're a portable church, which means everything that you see here other than the walls, we set up. And so even for the team, it gives us a chance to spend some time to be uh, not thinking about how do we tear down everything, but to consume food together, like always a win. Uh, if you know me at all, you know I am a big fan of food. So, uh, I, I'm excited for this time together. Before um, before we dig in, uh, I would love to pray. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with your love. Change us. You know each one of us. You know what we came in with. You know the challenges we have. You know where we're struggling with you. You know how we feel in relation to you. You know how we feel in relation to other people. God, God move us. Speak to us. I pray that it wouldn't be my words, but your words that would come across, that you would speak individually to each one of us. Help us to hear your still small voice, the whisper that you bring. God, illuminate your words Change our minds, change our hearts. God, I love you, and I need you. We need you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. As a culture, studies are showing that we're becoming increasingly anxious and and decreasingly resilient. More anxious and less resilient. And the cultural lie, even in, that, even in that song we sang that there's no lie that God won't tear down, the cultural lie is the way to become less anxious and more resilient is to pursue comfort and ease. It's to remove anything from our life that might make us feel anxious or uncomfortable. It's to reject anything or anybody that doesn't think exactly like us. The, the lie that we so often believe is that the goal of life is comfort and ease, and everything making us feel nice. And yet that lie is precisely what's leading us to experience this high level of anxiety and this low level of resilience. And I want to let you know that according to the way of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth and his way of life, there is a different way. And that way of living that we see the world uh, engaging in is harming us, but the way of Jesus brings us life. And so we want to spend some time as we look through the lens of Proverbs, this book of wisdom, that we look into a, a life that, is, that experiences wisdom and hopefully takes some steps away from anxiety in a way, And and towards this resilience, this resilient faith. I I don't know what you're like, but uh, I I tend to like uh, lots of personality tests. I tend to value them. There are personality tests that we do even as a team that kind of helps us to understand each other. But I kind of, if I'm being honest, have a bit of like a love-hate relationship with personality tests. Because on one hand, I, I love them, especially if they can point out some areas where, it helps us to understand how to communicate better with each other. It helps us to understand why people are like this. And it helps us to understand the lie that we believe about God and, and how we can combat that with the truth of the gospel. I love that part. You know what I struggle with? And maybe you're with me. I struggle with people that use personality tests as excuses. That's just the way I am. I know I'm a jerk, but that's just the personality test said that's who I am. I'm strong. And you're like, you're not strong, you're a jerk. Right? And people use that. And they're like, you know what? And you're, you're in community. And like, this is why sometimes we resist community. Because in community, you actually can say to the person beside you, hey, I love you. Um, don't do that. <laughs> and then in community, you have to go like, oh, they saw me, not my Instagram post. They saw my real life. And, and there's this, this battle. And personality tests can create this environment where we just go, that's just the way that I am. We can operate in this fixed idea of who we are. All of us have tendencies and patterns. And if we are people that would call ourselves followers of Jesus, followers of the way of life that Jesus offers us, all of us should leave not one of those things unaddressed, those areas of growth, those areas of, of rough edges, of challenges. None of us should go, you know what? That's just the way I am, and I'm just, I'm just a jerk, and it's fine. I'm just not forgiving, but it's fine. No, all of us should be going, that's uh, that. That might be who I tend to be, but I don't, I don't want to stay there. I'm unwilling to have this victim mentality where I stay where I was and I always blame everyone else. Like, it's one of those things that you go, you know, everyone else seems to be a jerk, but if everyone else is the jerk, maybe you're actually the jerk, right? It's always everyone else's fault. Well, if it's always everyone else's fault, is it possible that you have some fault there? All of us need to look inward and actually carefully reflect on the areas in our life that need to, be, that need to grow and, and to address those. Like, there are lies, and we try to spin them, right? We go, like, say, for example, we're harsh. You go, I'm not harsh. I'm a truth teller. I tell it like it is. No. You're harsh, and you're mean, and you use words to cut people down to make yourself feel better. Now, outside, you can look at that and go, like, that's not good. But if we're not careful, we just go, you know what? That's just, I'm taking my strength and I'm turning into weakness. Or turning in, t- taking my weakness and turning into strength. Look at me. I, I might seem harsh, but actually it's just I'm telling the truth. No. Or like gossip, for example. I've had people that are, they struggle with gossip and they're like, I'm not a gossiper. People just like telling me things. They trust me. No, you talk about everyone behind their backs. That's not good. That's not a win. That's not something we look at and go, oh man, yeah, good job. I love the way you talk about all those people without them around. <laughs> right? Like you look at those things and, and and we all have areas. Let's be really honest with ourselves. We all have areas that you go, mm, I do that. I know I have weakness and I try to spin it. It's not so bad. And we compare, right, other people's stuff, like, ooh, ooh, they're a mess. But me, no, mine's, my stuff's pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. But the, the part that Jesus invites us in is to reject the lie of self-deception. Like, we're so, it's so easy for us to lie to ourselves and convince ourselves of something that's not true. And instead, Jesus says, hey, you know all that, all that stuff? All that garbage, all those flaws, all those failures, I want you to know I I died for that person, but I don't want you to stay there. I don't want you to let that be who you are and define who you are. I want more for you. Jesus wants us to grow. He wants our complete honesty and the surrendering of every single area of our life. One of the values, we have guiding values at Collective and one of the values that we recognize that we're going to integrate that we didn't have is the value of growth, that we want to be people that grow. We want to grow to become more and more like Jesus. We want to reject the lie that, that growth happens in easy things and instead embrace the reality that growth sometimes is difficult and sometimes it, it's challenging, but we want to grow. We are not content to stay the same. As Christ's followers, we are not people that look at our life 15 years ago and say, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. Instead, we see transformation happening continually for the rest of our life where we look back and go, I think I look more like Jesus because I've been with Jesus and I've done what he's done and I've spent time with him. We look at all areas in our life as opportunities to grow in our in our looking and reflecting more and more like Jesus. Our growth is important. And as a church, we want to be a church of people that pursue growth. They don't just say, like, yeah, growth would be nice, but actually actively work toward it. And I look at a book like Proverbs, and I think that Proverbs helps us in this journey of actually taking steps towards growth. It invites us into a a life of wisdom and growth. And so I want to look specifically at a passage in Proverbs. Proverbs 9, 9 is the starting off point. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but I believe it'll be on the screen. Proverbs 9, 9 says this, instruct the wise and they will become even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Instruct the wise and they will become even wiser. Help those who want to grow to grow, and guess what they'll do? They'll grow. If they are wise to begin with, if someone helps them, they will become wiser. We want to do that for you, for us. We want to be a community that helps each other to continue to grow and where there's wisdom to seek more wisdom and to grow. In the next uh, number of weeks, we have a bunch of guest speakers and different voices coming in, all of which that are designed to help us to do that. Different perspectives, different experiences that help us to learn what does it look like to grow in our wisdom, to become wiser and wiser. And if you were here last week, and if you remember, or if you uh, were here and you can't remember anything I said, uh, I, I just want to give you one of the phrases that I use that is and in, was intended to be a sticky phrase, and that is that... Uh, application and perspiration always trumps inspiration. That it's not about being inspired by something, but it's about applying it to our lives and working. So if we're looking at wisdom, we don't just go like, yeah, wisdom sounds nice, and we put it on our phones and that's it. Instead, we go, what does it look like to apply wisdom in my life and to work towards a life that is wise according to what God says and to experience change in our lives. If we are committed to growth, we will apply what we learn and we will become more and more like Jesus in our lives. And we won't just look at areas that we need to grow and go, you know what? That's just who I am. Instead, all areas are up for grabs. Nothing is off the table. And I want to just remind us that growth rarely happens by accident. Maybe with like eating. We eat too much and then we grow and we're like, well, that, I don't know where that came from. But spiritual growth It doesn't happen accidentally. You don't find yourself becoming more forgiving, more humble, more patient accidentally. How did that happen? I'm really patient all of a sudden. (laughs) Like, this is a struggle for me. You know what I've learned? I struggle with patience. I'll just, this is a safe place, I think. I can be honest. I struggle with patience. And I'm also, I know enough of the Bible to be really wary of asking God for more patience because I know how he'll give it to me. (laughs) Right? Right? It's not just like by accidentally, like, oh, whoa, now you have it, like a fairy sprinkling dust and you're like, I'm now patient. No, it's by putting me through difficult things that require patience. Growth rarely happens accidentally. It happens intentionally and consistently over time. And what's beautiful about that consistent growth is it compounds over time too, Solomon is writing this in Proverbs 9, 9. Instruct the wise and they will become even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Now, you might even hear that and go, okay, the wise will become wiser. Okay, teach the righteous. What, is, what does that mean? What does that mean, the righteous? What are the, the righteous? What does that word even mean? Being righteous means to speak or speaks to being someone who acts in accordance to divine law, someone who lives their life in accordance to what God has designed, the way that God has built everything, someone who is living according to that is someone who is righteous, God at the center, God at the forefront, God as the one who filters everything and gives us the way forward. And those that are living in line with what God is saying, as they are taught, will learn even more. As they grow, as they commit to growing, they will continue to grow. Why? Why does this happen? Why do wise people become wiser? Why do righteous people, why do they grow as they are taught? I think so much of it has to do with posture. Because someone who knows that there's some wisdom but they know I don't have enough wisdom or someone that is trying to live in light of who God says that they are in every single area is always aware of their need to grow. They're always postured to grow. And I want you to know that our posture matters to God. Because our posture, the way that we live our lives, can either create distance from God or closeness. Our posture can actually do the exact thing we don't want it to. We're like, God, I just want to be close to you, but I'm, I'm never going to spend any time with you, and I'm, I'm never going to invest in our relationship, and I'm never going to read the Bible, and I'm not really going to pray. I'm going to talk about being busy all the time, and so, but how come you're not close? Instead of this posture of going, what if even, what if we started our days on our knees praying, reading a psalm, and going, God, move in this day in my life. I need you. Well, what do you think is gonna draw us closer? Our posture matters. Even in worship, our posture matters. We never want it to be like one of those phony things that you're trying to do something because people are watching, like where your hands are lifted and you're looking over. Like, did they see me? None of that, but like think about posture. What is this is surrender? This is receiving. And that's not to say that it needs to be restricted. You do whatever you need to do, but, but there is something in that where we respond to God. Our posture matters. Instruct the wise and they will become even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Uh, one of the things that, that I, I've talked about and I think is helpful in this series is I, I've, I've found it so fascinating. I love to read. Anyone else? Anyone a reader? Anyone like, man, I have a problem with books like, every week, Lee's like, please stop buying books. But I, I want to I wanna read and I want to learn. And you know what I find so fascinating? Is you'll have these new books, and they'll have this brand new idea. They've never known this before. We had no idea. And you'll hear about it, and you're going, wow, that's amazing. And, and what I find is that when we read stuff like that so often, they're actually biblical principles that are repackaged. It's actually things that are reflected in the Bible, in God's words, that other people are sharing, going, look, we have this new knowledge, and you're like, uh, I don't think it's new. <laughs> but it's helpful, and the only way that we can do that is if we are people that actually know what the Bible says. So then when we learn other things, we go, yeah, that's, this is God's truth reflected through someone that I don't think believes in God that's pointing to what we already know to be true in Scripture, and one of the things that I, I was reading about that I thought fit this perfectly was there's a, a, a psychologist named Carol Dweck who wrote a book called Mindset, and she's talking about fixed mindset versus growth, growth mindset. And it was so interesting, and, and listen, I'm not suggesting you go to this book and this becomes your theological compendium, but, but if we look at some of the categories and some of the ideas that she's presenting, we actually see way more of Scripture than we realize and we actually see, if we start looking through the lens, we go, oh, that's like this person in the Bible and this person. And suddenly, Carol Dweck, who I'm sure is wonderful, uh, doesn't sound quite as original. But there's some things in there that I think are really helpful for us. So I, I just want to contrast the two things, and then I want us to, to unpack what that looks like in Scripture. Fixed mindset versus growth mindset. So fixed mindset is this idea that we see challenges as, obstacles and growth mindset is challenges are opportunities. So fixed mindset is we avoid challenges. If we have a fixed mindset we avoid challenges. That's like the person that goes that's just who I am. I avoid the difficulty thing difficult things because that's just who I am. We give up easily, we see effort as worthless, we ignore useful feedback or criticism, we feel threatened by the growth of others. Now I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand with which one of those you struggle with, but but can we be honest that there are some of us that struggle with avoiding challenges? Some of us we give up really easily. Some of us we see effort as worthless. Some of us ignore useful feedback or criticism. And some of us feel extremely threatened by the growth of others. Now, growth mindset in contrast is we embrace challenge. We persist in the face of setbacks. We see effort as the path to mastery. We learn from criticism. And we find lessons and inspiration in the success of others. I look at that list. We embrace challenges. We persist in the face of setbacks. We see effort as the path to mastery. We learn from criticism. We find lesson and inspiration in the success of others. And I think that looks like the church. That looks like the early church, and it looks like many of the biblical characters that we see that this is their attitude. They didn't have this language, but we see these characteristics in them. We are here in the church because the early church had this attitude. But it wasn't just a growth mindset where they went, well, Carol Dweck told us that we should have this growth mindset. They had a Jesus-centered, God-aligned growth mindset. Carol Dweck, there's this quote from her that I think is really helpful, and it challenges me even as a Christian. So, you have this author who's not a Christian. She says, she says this Why waste time proving over and over, over and over how great you are when you could be getting better? Why hide deficiencies instead of overcoming them? Why look for friends or partners who will just shore up your self esteem instead of ones who will also challenge you to grow? And why seek out the tried and true instead of experiences that will stretch you? The passion for stretching yourself and sticking to it even, or especially when it's not going well, is the hallmark of the growth mindset. This is, not, this is the mindset that allows people to thrive during some of the most challenging times in their lives. She's talking about this idea of growth, that as a church, this is who we should be. We should never be content to look at our deficiencies and go, well, it's just the way that I am. We should always be going, I, I want to grow and become more and more like Jesus. I refuse to let comfort and the comfort zone become where I live because I don't see anyone in scripture living there. Instead, I want to push myself to go where God asked me to go. Now, just to be really, really, really clear, because I think the framework is helpful, but if at the center we don't have this idea that we need to really know who God is, what he says about us, and what his word says, the other stuff doesn't really matter. We need to understand, what are you asking me to do? And so when God says things to us like, go and make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples of all the nations, I don't know about you, but I don't look at that and that doesn't sound comfortable to me. That sounds terrifying to me. I need to go and make disciples of everyone that I interact with and suddenly you go, yeah, because in order to do that, I'm going to need to grow. And it's not about the fact that I can, it is the fact that God can and he invites me to partner with him. And so we reject this fixed idea that, that challenges are difficult, and instead we embrace growth. And, and so I want to look at those five categories really briefly and hit some, hit some people from the Bible that I think are helpful. So she gives five categories. Challenge, so how do we relate to challenge? Persistence, effort, criticism, and comparison. I think we have it on the screen, but if you guys could leave it up where you put those categories, challenge, persistence, effort, criticism, and comparison. Okay, so let's just do a little bit of reflection in our own life. How do we view challenges? How do we view challenge? When we experience something challenging in our life, how do we view it? So say we're doing what God asks us to do. Say we have this profound sense, God, you're asking me to go and pray for this person or do this or or go here or move here, and we do it. And, And if it doesn't work out or if we experience challenges, how do we respond? Do we see it as a punishment? Well, I'm trying to do what God asked me to do, but clearly I got it wrong, and clearly he doesn't love me, and clear, like all these things, and we give up? Or does it catalyze us? Then when we see resistance to us doing what God asks us to do, we actually go, I think I might be on the right track. And it encourages us forward. I want to take just a moment and reflect on the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament, He was was someone who murdered Christians and then met Jesus, came face to face with him and his whole life changed. Do you want to see an example of someone who did not have a fixed mindset but a growth mindset, that would be it, right? He did not live in his life as someone who persecuted Christians and had them murdered. Instead, he found Jesus and everything shifted. And how does he respond to challenges, there's this passage in Acts 28 where, where Paul is going about doing what God asked him to do. And it's one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. And he's on this boat and suddenly this massive storm comes. And it's bad. And you're like, God, we're, he's doing what you ask him to do. And he's facing this, this, this giant storm. And then the, the ship that they're on gets shipwrecked on an island. And you're like, wow. So this is what it looks like to follow you. We deal with storms and then shipwrecks. He gets to the island And he sees some people, and it's the island of Malta, and he sees some people, and he goes, uh, they're trying to build a fire. So he's like, I'm going to help them. He grabs some sticks to start a fire. You know what happens? Gets bit by a viper. Now there's this degree that you're like, really? And I think about in our lives, and I'll just say in my life, when I'm doing what God asked me to do, and I face a little bit of challenge, I sometimes second-guess and I sometimes hesitate, and I sometimes back off, and I sometimes wonder, did I get it wrong? And I think, you know, it doesn't take that much to really distract and discourage me, and I, I look at Paul, and that is not his pattern. You know what Paul does? Paul gets bit by this viper. And you can only imagine, like, what that would be like. He's just trying to help, gets bit the viper. You know what he does? Like, Taylor, so he just shakes it off. <laughs> shakes it off like nothing, and then keeps going! Right? His perspective is... Listen, challenge is not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. And you know what happens as a result of that? A whole bunch of people on the island are like, who is this guy? Are you God? And he's like, no, but let me point you to him. Like, I think about how we face challenges as opportunities to grow, and I think we've got it wrong. I think we think through the, 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 the worldly narrative and lie and go, oh, challenges means, and difficulty means that we should just give up and just sit and live comfortable, easy lives. And we look at people like Paul and go, this does not line up. Like, for example, same guy, constantly beaten. Like, again, we have one person saying something mean to us as Christians, and we're like, I don't like this, so I'm just not going to say anything ever again. Paul is getting beaten and jailed, almost to death. And then he's, he's being punished where it's like, hey, uh, we'll kill you. And you know what Paul's response is? Philippians 1, 20, 21, he says this, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying's even better. And you're like, what? He's like, yeah, so kill me, I'll be with Jesus, or don't kill me, and I got work to do. So you're like, this to me is so challenging and inspiring because I think this is someone that is so clearly focused on what God is asking him to do that all the challenges that he faced, he persists through them, that he works hard. We see that, how he views challenges, how he views persistence and effort, and all of them combined going, I'm running the race. I'm doing what you asked me to do with the time that I have left, and I think the challenge for us is if we're Christians, if you're not a Christian in the room, this is not for you, but if you are a Christian, are you doing that? Am I doing that? Every moment counts, or am I just floating through, and when I face difficult things, I go, I'm out. Like, especially with reading our Bible, I've been guilty of this. I'm busy. I'm too busy to spend moments of God reflecting on him to know what he's asking me to do and become shaped by him. I'm too busy, but I have lots of time to hop on YouTube. It's challenging for us. And I think there are these moments that I find myself, and I think we all do, find ourselves pulled into a direction that does not look like growing to be more and more like Jesus. I want us to reflect Paul and Peter and all the beautiful people that we find in Scripture that have steel in their spine, that are facing difficult things and go, you know, what if I die? I'll be with Jesus, and if I live, I've got work to do, and I am unwilling to compromise on what God is asking me to do and what God is saying to me. I want to grow. I do not want to stay the same. I am 36 years old, and I think about even when I hit 40 or 45, and I go, I want to grow. And even though I say it jokingly, I want to be more patient. I just don't want God to do it the way He does it. <laughs> I want to look at my life, and I want, I, we talk about it with our kids all the time that we want them to see our faith is lived out, not just something that we do. Hey, Dad's a pastor, so um, that's what we do. We go to church. I want them to know that we are the church that we have the opportunity every single day to grow. We talk really honestly about our, with our kids about when we fall short and when we're not doing the things. like We're honest with them and we invite them in. I look at Paul and there's this sense of resilience because he does not look at the difficulties that are around him as something that somehow should distract him. He goes, yeah, this is what I expected. Jesus said it, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart or I've overcome the world. But can we be honest and say that's not often how we live? Oftentimes we're like, you know what, I like uh, comfort and ease and good feelings. I don't know if I really want what is required to grow. If we knew what God was saying to us, and if we knew what God is saying in Scripture, then we would be guided by what He is up to and trust that He will use everything to help us to grow to be more like His Son, Jesus. Those five things, challenge, persistence, and effort, and then criticism is one that I think is helpful. In Proverbs 15, 5, it says this, only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Whoever learns from correction is wise, and I recognize that all, not all correction is equal. There are some people that correct you that just want to correct you and you're like, "I can't stand when you like, <laughs> right, you have it." And people are like, "Let me tell you what I think." And you're like, "I don't want you to." But how much would our perspective shift if we were like, "I can learn from anyone?" Like, it's not all equal in the sense that who it's coming from always feels as nice. But, but what if our perspective was we could learn from it? And, and more than that, what if someone said something difficult to us, which we're all going to experience, and we don't allow ourselves just to go, my feelings are hurt, so I'm just going to ball up and avoid. Instead, what do we do? The, the, the Jesus way is to come into community and ask community, is that true? Like, we get around people that love us and love Jesus and go, they said this about me, is that true? And you know what happens sometimes is the people that love us go, yeah. And you're like, really? I don't like that. And you're like, yeah. But then we can grow. It exposes blind spots in us. It helps us to see areas of our life where we are not, we're not fully formed. All of us have that. This is why sometimes we resist community because community sees us. And suddenly we don't like that because we're like, I want you to see what I want you to see, but that's not community. Real community is when they see all of us and they're like, you have some beautiful strengths and some like other things that are. (laughs) But we love you because we're all like that. And when we hear correction, we can hear it from people that are wise and wonderful and hear and go, yeah, that's so valuable. Or we can hear from other people and go, I want to grow. I want to learn. I don't want to let someone's. if someone's saying something that's truthful to me, even if I might not like it, if it's helping me to become more and more like Jesus, I want that, right? Like the priority is our growth. It is not our comfort. It's not our feelings. The last one that I think is helpful to attach or to attack is that of comparison. I want us to really, really reflect on how do we respond when things are going well for other people? Like just, let's go from a spiritual growth perspective. How do we respond if we are, we're doing all the things. We're praying, we're reading, we're, we're walking with God, we're setting time aside and we're like, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm growing and then we spend some time with someone else and it's, it's like God speaking directly to them. How do we respond? And we're like, I do more than them, God. Why do you love them more than me? Do we look and go, well, they don't really do as much as I do. I am significantly more spiritual than them. Or do we, do we just ask, hey, what do are, what are your rhythms of your life look like? What's God saying to you? How can I learn? We want to learn from each other. We don't want to view comparison as one of these things that we look at other people as they're growing in their faith and go uh, either either in pride think of ourselves better or with this comparison think of ourselves as Less, we want to celebrate that we are growing together and learn from each other. It's so important that as Christians that we we reframe our relationship to success and even failure. Because when we look at success, we're like, okay, if things are going well, my life is good, then I am successful. Life is good, God loves me, everything is good, I'm successful. If things aren't going well, If there's some areas in your life where there's some failure or challenges or difficulty, you're like, I'm a failure! I am the worst. God does not love me. What have I done wrong? And maybe there's some areas that you need to grow, but but we attach our identity to what we experience. I am a success or I am a failure. And the the problem is that it creates this environment where we have this fear of failure, and then a fear of failure actually establishes us as being non-learners. Because we go, I don't want to fail, so I'm just not going to try. Success sounds fine, but I'm more afraid of failure, so I'm just going to wait until Jesus comes back and I can go to heaven. And instead, that is not the way. The beautiful thing of the good news of Jesus is it reframes our identity. See, he, God looks at us and says, you're my sons and my daughters, but our relationship is broken and you'll spend the rest of your, t- your, your life looking for something to tell you that you are good enough. Hoping that maybe another human being will say, hey, now you're good enough. But it'll never work. There's something in you that is desperate for God, your heavenly Father, to say, you are mine. And the only way that can happen, because we are imperfect and we are sinful, is through Jesus who comes and lives a perfect life, dies on the cross and raises again, and restores the relationship. And when he restores the relationship, he gives us our identity back when we surrender to him. And suddenly our identity is not in my success or my failure. My identity is not tied into any of that stuff. My identity is 100% anchored in who Jesus is and who God says that I am. And so as Christians, we should not avoid failure or really Celebrate success as the most important thing and instead encourage ourselves to celebrate faithfulness Success or failure, however God wants it to go, we do what he asks us to do continually. And we detach our identity from the outward expression that we see and in store, instead attach our identity to who God says that we are. So often when we look at if it's failure, is it's, we struggle with it because we just go, uh, I know God says this about me, but uh, other people are saying things about me. And I think this about me. And, and we realize that we have it completely distorted. The beautiful thing as Jesus followers is you are free to try and fail and learn and grow. And not get it right always the first time, but continue to move forward and forward and forward and embracing growth. And the outcome of all your effort, the outcome of your persistence does not diminish you because nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And so the outcome of all the effort you put in, we can look at that and go, thank you, God, either way. And instead going, God, I know that I am yours. And so even when we reflect, and I I think it's important for us in a series like this. Last series, we worked through. Luke, chapter by chapter, and you get to dig through in this, it's, it's a little bit more topical where you're hitting certain things. And I think there is a, a huge invitation for us to reflect. Where do I need to grow? Where am I struggling? What are some areas that I am believing lies that I am resistant to something that God wants to do? Do I have a Jesus-centered growth mindset. How do I respond to challenge? How do I respond to persistence? How do I respond to effort? How do I respond to criticism? How do I respond to comparison? I look at the early church and nothing could distract them. Nothing could derail them. They're like, kill us, take our lives. We'll just share with everyone. We'll give it to what we have. And and there were groups of people in the in that same time in the Romans that were looking and they were like, This church is growing like crazy. People are constantly coming to faith. They're like, we need to do something about it. And they couldn't because they were unstoppable. They were resilient. They were so anchored in who God said that they were and what he had invited them to do. This is what I want for us. And so to reflect honestly with the Holy Spirit's help, what area do I need growth in? What is the area of weakness that I need Jesus to strengthen me? Proverbs 18, 15 says this, Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. How primed are you? How primed is your life for growth? How how ready are you to grow according to what Jesus is inviting you into? How open are your ears? Like you say, my ears are open, but you got your fingers in them because you're like, I don't know if I'm going to like what you want to say, and I think I'd rather do it my own way. And I want to, again, reject the lie that growth comes easily. That growth in our life, to become more and more like Jesus, comes in environments where it is always easy and comfortable. Most often, God works through difficulty. When we look at our lives, do we become wise by constantly navigating easy things? No. We become wise by navigating difficult things and learning to see what God Sees We navigate things that are difficult with a different perspective. Discomfort and challenge is how God most often grows us. Mark Sayers, who's a pastor in Melbourne, has a book called A Non-Anxious Presence, and he says this, The choice to prioritize comfort, ease, and good feelings above growth is the choice to embrace and accept personal, spiritual, and emotional immaturity. Let me just read it again because that one hits hard. The choice to prioritize comfort, ease, and good feelings above growth is the choice to embrace and accept personal, spiritual, and emotional immaturity. There are people that are getting older and not more mature. We need to embrace challenge, and we need to embrace growth. And so what is the reflection? For some of us, some of us need to stop making excuses Like, for example, we need to stop making excuses for not reading our Bible and spending time in prayer with God. Hey, I'm so busy, God. I have so much going on. That's your choice. Let's stop making excuses and go, God, I I might not. Like, listen, if you feel this pressure of, like, I need to read 17 chapters in one sitting, that's not for me or God. What would it look like to read one or two verses and to go, God, what are you trying to say? And every single day, read a couple more and go, what are you trying to say? Is that true? There are things in the Bible that you read and go, I didn't know that was in there. It's that's, that's a beautiful thing. What if it was a consistent pattern over time? What if we stopped making excuses and said God, said, God, I want to grow. I'm going to read your words. What if we chose God over convenience? Some of us need to step up our commitment level. Some of us need to reject the the lie that our, our role in any kind of church is to simply spectate and just get something from someone and instead to commit to going, I want to use my gifts for the sake of a church. Maybe it's this church or maybe it's another church. My encouragement would be do not get comfortable being someone that simply sits on the sideline and watches other people as they choose growth and seeing people coming to faith and being changed. Don't don't watch that. Be part of it. Be part of teams that want to see people find Jesus. Use your gifts. Choose To use your gifts over choosing comfort. And some of us need to start really early and put to death our dependence on good feelings as the barometer of whether things are going well. We need to allow that lie to be confronted and go, you know what, whether things seem to be going well or things seem to be going uh, poorly, God, if I'm doing what you are asking me to do, that is all I'm responsible for. I just want to live the kind of life that you're asking me to live. And when we do not need to take responsibility over all the outcomes in our life and instead surrender that to God, he works in significant and powerful ways. What would it look like for us to choose that way of living? Challenges are opportunities. Challenges are not obstacles. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you recognize that today is an opportunity to, to commit to I, want to, I want to grow. Or maybe you think, today is a day I, I want to serve, I want to get involved. Maybe it's at Collective, and we'd love for you to go to Next Steps and, and talk to someone on the team and figure out what does it look like to take your next step. Maybe today is is an opportunity to actually spend some time with God, maybe in your seat, or after we're going to have the prayer team that's over here, and maybe you need to spend some time in prayer with someone else interceding on your behalf and going, God, I, I, I don't know what to do, I feel stuck, or I need help, I need you, and we get to pray with you and for you. And, and, and stand in the gap with you. Or maybe you're in the room or you're engaging online and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. And today is the day that you lay down your life and you say, I want that. I want to lay down my life and choose his. And if that's you, I'd love for you to fill out a connect card or come talk to us and let us know. We're going to respond in worship, but before we do, I want to pray for us. Would you stand? God, I don't know what you are trying to do in each one of us. I do, however, know that your invitation is towards growth. God, help us to have a Jesus-centered growth mindset. God, thank you that you are guiding us. We look at Scripture. We see example after example of people with steel in their spine and resilience that were unwilling to, to cater to what everything else around them says and instead follow your Way. God, let us be like the early church that was known in their community as people that were seeing people continually coming to faith and radically serving others. God, let us be the kind of church that is filled with people that want to grow. Help us to never become comfortable and complacent and sit and choose comfort and ease over growth. God, we need you. In every area of our life, challenge us, confront us, cause us to take steps. God, give us boldness as we move towards you. God, have your way. And as we worship, we fix our eyes on you yet again. Speak to us, guide us. We love you and need you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, Find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.